What's the funniest pop culture podcast on the internet? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog to make the show? Start the clock! And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. Have a very funny comedian uh, here tonight. You know, a year ago, if you would have said, you know, I would look forward to Saturday night at 8 p.m. sitting home and talking with some dude on the Internet, uh, I would have thought you were totally friggin' crazy. <laughs> but what better way to spend a Saturday night than talking with a, a funny comedian on the Internet? Funny times. The world is changing in a lot of ways. Uh, before I bring my guest in, I want to uh, kind of just introduce my sponsors and let you know what's uh, going on with uh, with paying the bills here. So my first sponsor tonight is MyBookie.com. MyBookie.com is one of the most popular and trusted brands in the online gambling community. Its sportsbook offers an incredible variety of sports from American staples such as football and basketball to international sports such as KBO and rugby and cricket. It even offers wages on entertainment and politics. And yes, if you bet on Donald Trump, you lose. I'm not sure if they paid off yet, but uh, I can't imagine they're going to be waiting much longer. Actually, Monday, I believe, after the Electoral College cast the votes, that's the time you're going to get paid off if you bet on Biden. Uh, and by the way, uh, if you bet on Trump, again, you lose. And they also offer betting on simulated sports video games such as uh, Madden 21 and NBA 2K21. And if you're looking for a line on your favorite TV show, you can most certainly find it at MyBookie.com. MyBookie's casino options are as plentiful as its sports books. There are 27 different table games such as Blackjack and Roulette and almost 300 different uh, slot options, 77 of which are 3D. You can even play live table games and video poker. To get started with them, you just go to mybookie.com and use the promo code MINDDOG. <laughs> promo code MINDDOG. And what that's going to get you is a match deposit offer all the way up to $1,000. So let's say you're a high roller and you want to bet uh, on your favorite television show well, for with $1,000, you put $1,000 in, it instantly becomes $2,000. Now, you don't have to start with $1,000. You can go as little as $10. Uh, so uh, if you're a compulsive gambler who needs to bet on, like, The Bachelorette or something, some television show, I really, I really want to know what the hell are people betting on on television shows. And I still have not gotten a straight answer. With all the emails we get, a lot of hate mail, a lot of hate mail, uh, but with all the emails we get, I still need to hear what the hell are people betting on on television shows, and uh, I'm really curious about that. Uh, my other sponsor for tonight is Audiobooks Now, audiobooksnow.com. Uh, you know about the convenience of audiobooks. Uh, it's just it's so much easier than sitting down and reading a book, and you can absorb great book content. Uh, while driving or doing other menial tasks as you go about your drive. And if you don't have a real, you know, job that requires a whole lot of thought behind it, you can actually listen while you work. Uh, audiobooks are very convenient. You know about that. So why audiobooksnow.com? You can get audiobooks in a lot of places. Well, the answer is simple. It's price point, price point, price point. Audiobooks Now Club Pricing Plan is simply the best deal on audiobooks you'll find. It offers the savings and flexibility not found anywhere else. 
with their Save on Everything discounts, rollovers, exclusive offers, loyalty program, incredible selection, and cancel anytime policy. It simply can't be beat. Plus, you get a free uh, premium audio audiobook on select titles. And you can get a 30-day free trial right now by clicking the link in the description. Uh, and I do appreciate you patronizing our sponsors, both uh, mybookie.com and audiobooksnow.com. Now on to the big program. <laughs> uh, Jeff Dwoskin is the host of one of the funniest pop culture podcasts uh, on the internet. Jeff is passionate about comedy, uh, trending topics, pop culture, and of all things social media. Jeff fuses all of these elements together to bring you an ear-pleasing show uh, on the Jeff Waskin Show uh, podcast. Uh, he features amazing guests from the worlds of comedy, acting, and social media. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Jeff Waskin to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Jeff, welcome. Hi. It's so good to be here on a Saturday at 8 p.m. with you. Right, right. Well, I the same way as you do. Right. Uh, it's just so weird. Like a year ago, we you would have probably been thinking about, you know, comedy club gigging or something like that. I know I would have been thinking about a music gig. And now, now here I am looking forward to a Saturday night at 8 p.m. <laughs> talking to you on the Internet. Just <laughs> dudes hanging out, talking yeah. on the Internet. <laughs> nope, yeah. Nothing weird. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Uh, it's, uh, are you in Michigan? Is that where you're from? I am in yeah. and from Michigan, yes. What's what's the climate there like now? And I'm not just talking about the weather. I'm just talking about what what's it like right there right now. Are you on complete lockdown? Or are you what, what's the whole deal over there? Sure, sure. Well, it is it is first uh, to get the first. It is like a round fifty, a balmy fifty. <laughs> but the um, it's really funny. It we are, we're kind of on a lockdown. It's um, this the restaurants probably took the brunt in terms of. You can't go into the restaurants and they had started to. I was, I have and was of the mind that I wasn't going into restaurants because most people that get COVID were like six times likely to have been in a restaurant, right? So I wasn't doing those things anyway. So they kind of firmed it up because just like everywhere in the country, everything was getting okay and then didn't get okay, right. got, got un-okay. And so, you know, our, our governor, uh, was um, almost kidnapped and likely could have been killed. And the president condoned this, you know, and had no problems, you know. And he he calls her that woman from Michigan because he clearly has issues with women. And frankly, I think if I could meet Governor Whitmer right now, I'd give her a big hug. I, I it it drives me crazy to think that the people that hate on her so much and. She's saving lives. The problem is you can't you can't prove the negative. You can't prove something that didn't happen. Right. I can't prove I saved a million lives. Right. So so then you you know people can complain. You're taking away my freedoms. You're taking. Is it really? I mean, you wear a seatbelt. There's certain things. You right. wear a helmet when you do a ride a motorcycle. There's certain things that you do that to make people safe. And you know, I, I was talking with someone early on, and they said the mistake was they should have said. The mask protects you, not the mask protects somebody else. Because if you had made it selfish from the beginning, everyone would have gotten on board. I don't think so. I think more because uh, I know I know somebody who almost died from it. Uh, who's a loyal listener to this show? Almost died from it and still came back to it's a hoax. 
uh, it's a made-up disease. He almost died from it and hates the mask. And uh, just, I mean, hates it with a passion. And if he sees anybody wearing a mask, it makes him angry. Uh, and he'll start a fight in the store over, over mask policies. Just uh, there are people who are just, I don't know what it is. I mean, I I do remember when helmet laws first came into being that some bike riders were really adamant. But I, the the mask thing is off the charts, just crazy insanity. Like it's no big deal, man. Just wear wear a mask. Uh, and last week, yeah, it was last week. Last Friday, I had a gig in a restaurant, and uh, you know, I'm very torn and conflicted about whether to even be doing gigs, but they had the social distancing and stuff and said, you know, the band needs to be wearing a mask unless you're singing. What's uh, I, <laughs> I'm happy to wear the mask, but the, unless you're singing part really screwed. Like, so for that, when I, if I have to sing, I'm not contagious. And then I put it, I think I'm going to, if I'm contagious, I'm going to be spreading it a lot more when I'm singing than when I'm not singing, right? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but, but it's it's. Uh, I don't want to knock your, your the viewer, but it's like it's 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 interesting to me that someone can have it and then still have that point of view. Right. The, the, the cult of Donald Trump's words and Fox News, and you know, they Fox News has come out and said we we're not these are opinions shows. These aren't news shows. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's, you're being manipulated folks. That's, that's all it is. You can hate us now or hate us or love us later, whatever you want. But at the end of the day, if you got it, you know, it's real. You mm. can't deny what you had. If I don't believe in Santa and then I meet Santa, I can't keep <laughs> going around. I don't believe in Santa. You met the guy. He was right there. Red beard. <laughs> We've <laughs> yeah, that was him, right? Was like, but, well, but, yeah, we sure. Then everyone was. It was just a guy robbing your house, but whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah. I, don't I, I I had this conversation just today with with somebody, and I said, you know, it's so baffling because he said, well, you shouldn't be baffled. People need something to believe in. I said, even and at Jonestown, when Jones said, you know, take the cyanide. 90% of those people had given up on him and said, you know, Jones, and they needed to have a gun held to their head to take the cyanide. Those people would come out. I don't think the Trump supporters, if Trump said take the cyanide right now, I don't think any of them would need a gun pointed to their head. And that's what baffles me. Like, oh, wouldn't need. We'd just do it. Would, right? yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, you've seen him now, and I, I don't mean to make this a completely political show right off the bat. But you <laughs> it's see, too late. You, yeah, I know. You've seen him throw <laughs> Bill Barr under the bus you see them throw everybody close to him under the bus the minute they're not serving him completely and com showing complete fealty to him he throws him under the bus what makes him think that he's not going to throw you under the bus eventually meaning the american public he will do anything for himself and the minute you're not useful to him you're you're going to be attacked and how can they not see that it just really well, <laughs> even even like going one level deeper or just layering onto that is the president is not is not a dictator he is not a king right. so these it is country first congress the senate they all are supposed to co country first they do not work for the president bill barr does not work for the president rudy right. giuliani works for the president he's his personal attorney right. but not bill barr he works for the country these people are all cult of donald trump 126 republicans in the house 
don't accept Joe Biden as president right now. Right. It's like, you know, so it's, it's, there was nothing wrong folks with this election, nothing wrong that any, the variance, even Bill Barr said it, everybody said it, everybody right. said this was fine. Every election, there's probably a couple things that happen, folks, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, but it's like, yeah, this is, it's, it's, it's and, un- if you look at the number of Republican judges who have shot this down, a lot of them appointed by Trump. If you count the Supreme Court yesterday, is a total of 64 Republican judges that have shot this down and laughed it out and didn't even consider it. Like, you're not, you don't have any evidence. You don't have any real claims here. You don't even, not even sure what, it's just supposition and uh, nonsense about you don't believe it. You can't go to court with, I don't believe this guy could have beaten me as you're. <laughs> As your, uh, you know, evidence, I, I, right. I, I don't believe. I, I, I had to unfriend somebody on Facebook today who I've known for a long time. You know, they was just like, it's fraud. The numbers changed. It's like this, the numbers came in in two different ways. They came in live because people went and voted that day. And then they came in through the mail, which by law in most states, you can't have counted prior to election day. Right. So there's so to say that, um, well, there was a sudden spike. Yes, there was a sudden spike because they started counting a different batch of votes that were legally made. Right. It's like if there's if there's a hundred votes cast, right, for Matt and for me, and it happens to be that I get eighty of them and Matt gets twenty of them, and they happen to pick the twenty that Matt got first, and then my eighty come next. There wasn't anything weird about it. It was just <laughs> it was always only a hundred, and that's always what it was. But you can only count the ones that you've looked at. Right. So the number changes. And they were surprised. They don't just pick one out and call it the winner. That's not how elections work. Right. It's worked the same forever, always. Absolutely. It's always. I think Gore was winning Florida once. Maybe I made it. I could have made it. <laughs> but, like, I, but like things happen where they, they're like, oh, it's going to be this. And they do that. They've called the president one way and it went the other way. It's, you know, they, it's it happens. It's okay. because. It's clear. And you know what? Beyond that, there are two other things. Trump spent three months telling his people not to vote by mail. So you shouldn't be surprised that they didn't vote by mail and Biden's people did. And then he said a week before that he was going if he had a lead early, he was going to go on television and declare himself the winner. And then, then he did that. It's like, come on, folks. If you don't, it's like I'm telling you the, the joke I'm going to tell you and what the punchline is. And then I tell you it and get to the punchline and you, you act surprised. that Wow. That, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Melania can't get out of there fast enough. I think I think most of them are already back. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh moving on from politics, I noticed you were on the uh Scott Curtis internet talk show the other night. Uh yes, I was. <laughs> yeah. Was that an enjoyable experience? Yeah, Scott yeah. Curtis is fun. Uh Did- yeah. I like doing live shows. So it's it's yeah, it was fun. It was a good group and we we, we bantered and did he do? Good. Did he do his Dean Martin shtick? <laughs> yes, he did. To his <laughs> Dean Martin. Did, oh, were you? Were you? Because uh, this this was my thing. I was confused by by sometimes he forgot to t- take the hat off and was talking as Scott, and sometimes the the hat was on was supposed to signify he was no longer Scott and he was talking to Dean, but he would forget to take the hat off and just talk to Scott or forget it to be in character. Did any of that happen? <laughs> um it was uh everything you could have hoped for for a host who 
doing Dean Martin. So I, everyone check it out. I was delightful on it. Scott was delightful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some I, good, I, I like impersonations. We did. Uh, yeah. I like Ryan. Scott, but I want to give I want to give him a hard time. So I'm trying to go into saying something negative about him, so I can no, put it on no. put it on a loop and just like. <laughs> no, so I'm, uh, I like Scott a lot. No, so do I. He, he's a he's a funny guy, and uh, you know I I admire him a lot. What he's doing, he's working hard to get a lot of comedians on there. Now your podcast, uh, Jeff uh, Jeff. The Jeff Dwaskin show, but it's Jeff fun, Jeff is funny dot com. Well, uh, you could go to Jeff dot com and it does go to the same place. But oh, it does. It, right. When you have a, a last name that people can't spell, Jeff right. is funny is a little easier to <laughs> right. Okay. A little easier earworm to remember. Oh, just how long you been doing it? The podcast, yeah, since May. Oh. Oh, so you're you're one of the late adopters that came on because of COVID and because you didn't you, you couldn't do actual gigs for a while and you figured this is the this is your best uh, way to keep in entertaining. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I I originally wanted to do a podcast in 2017. I bought everything in 2017, which turned out to be really great because in 2020 during COVID, you couldn't find anything on Amazon because everyone was starting a podcast. <laughs> right, right, cool. So I already had it. I was going to do um, really into social media and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and so I was going to do a whole podcast about social media and it was going to be social media tips. And I had bought, this is 2017. I got the mixer. I got everything. I got my, it's all on the, all the wires. It's on my, my, my desk. And, I made an intro, a professional intro like you, you know, and an outro. And it was, it was going to be called viral intentions. And it was about having posts go viral. And it was a little spin on the movie, cruel intentions, you know, viral intentions. Thought it was cute. You know, it was going to be real fun. So it just sat on my desk and it sat on my desk. And then my wife made me put it in a box. And then when COVID hit, I, then it took me like a month to find it. Cause I couldn't find the box. It was one of those <laughs> where you think it's in one box. So you're looking for something, but it's in something else. And then when I pulled it out, all the wires were messed up. I'm very um, wire wise, very bad. Like with a car, like my like I put a key in a car. If I t- if it turns on, I'm I'm good. If it doesn't, I, I that's it. I mean, it's just like it either works or it doesn't. So I had all these all this stuff I pulled out. And I couldn't figure out the right combination of what to plug into what. Uh. My friend Nate Armbruster came over and he hooked everything up. And, and so then I was like, nobody touch, nobody touch. And I even bought a second mic, this mic that you can see in the bottom there. This is my interview mic because I, I upstairs because I didn't want to bring and unplug and, and mess with the mic that I had downstairs. So I bought a second mic. And so same mic, but I just bought a second one. And, you know, so th- that was it. So now it's March 2020 and I'm starting to put everything together. It's in the middle. It's the pandemics and full. Everyone's work from home. Everyone doesn't know what's going on. It's scary. And and all of a sudden I'm like, so I'm like, I'm going to do my podcast. I finally have time to do my podcast. And then it occurs to me, probably not the best time to start a podcast called Viral Intentions. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that when you when you said the title before, but yeah, wow, I guess that would not be so. Uh, I yeah, I but the the name you picked is a no brainer. <laughs> the name I picked, well, you know, when you pick a name, you can pick clever names. Like I, I saw, but then it's if it sounds like other people probably have a similar version of it, and it's like 
at the end of the day, I also, so I did the Jeff Jawaskin show, you know, that, which is, it's probably easier if you're like a famous person than to <laughs> go that route, naming it after yourself. But, <laughs> um, but I also didn't want people to think it wasn't my show and that I was just a hired gun for it. You know what I mean? I wanted it to be clear that it was, it was my thing, not, right. not from an ego point of view, but like, you know, someone, some people, sometimes people listen and go, Hey, I'm doing this podcast. Oh, that's cool. Right. Oh, it's, no, it's my podcast, <laughs> you right. know, what I mean? yeah. heart and soul, you know, my thing. <laughs> and, you know, so, you know, that was it. It was just, and plus no one's going to take, well, I guess there's a few people out there named Jeff Tawaskin, but, um, right. but besides that, it was, it was in it. The name wasn't in high demand. So okay. you can go to Jeff show.com or the Jeff show.com. And you will also, and you will be good redirected to Jeff is funny.com. And and you can was, basically probably look for it anywhere podcasts where you listen to podcasts and just put in Jeff Dwoskin show and it'll, it'll come up too. Yes, it's like you can go show. to Apple. You can tell your Alexa, play the Jeff Dwoskin show. And I'm going, oh, playing the Jeff Dwoskin show. Well, yours probably doesn't sound like that. But the, <laughs> but yeah, and like, yes. But if you go to Jeff is funny, you can also listen to it from there. And then, because then I find that like, Oh, I have an Android, uh, but I told them Apple, you know, so it's podcasts can be confusing. So Jeff is has a full player. You can listen to it. And then there's links where you can then pick Apple, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you want to subscribe. Right. But yeah, definitely subscribe, subscribe and listen to every I, episode. I will, I will do that. Are you surprised about how much work it is or be, be in preparation booking people and uh, i don't know if you're doing any editing and all that stuff but uh, are, are you surprised about the amount of work that a podcast really takes yes and i tell you it's it's crazy i spent probably six hours in the last couple of days watching movies of people that i'm going to be interviewing so i can say i've seen the movie right even though I'd seen it, you know, but there's a difference, you know, there's, there's seeing a movie and then like 20 years ago and then watching it again and, and really having it fresh in your mind and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's not that everyone listening at home is like, Oh, that's the worst homework ever. You have to watch popular movies. You have to read books that you get sent for free. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have it, a lot of authors on, I got to read a lot of books. I'm reading more books now than I, I did when I was in high school. I mean, or in college even, I mean, just reading constantly to keep up with it. being able to have a intelligent conversation with the authors about their work. Sometimes it's, it's a lot of work, but, but to your point, I had the dwarf on who, who was Howard, the Howard, the duck. And, um, he was in a bunch of movies that required dwarfs, and he he brought up Old Brother Where Art Thou, and and he was in that, and I was like, wow, I, that was one of my favorite movies. I don't remember a, a little person in that movie, and, and and then he had to remind me of, of his part in it. So that was a movie I saw fifteen years ago, and several times fifteen years ago. But the uh, part about his part in there, I totally forgot, and so I didn't do my homework enough on that one. But well, you yeah. can't watch them all. I mean, right? Like to me, it's like I, I want to be able to be solid on a couple, you know, and then just kind of be aware of the other things. It's like. You know, it's it's hard to like get to know everything, and it's like I've I've gone in and not I've gone in and not seen anything because it's just there were just some people maybe I talked to the genres were just you know where I'm just going to have a conversation or like the movie had just come out and it was their only movie so I didn't have even time to see it right scheduled it but you know a lot of times you know like when I talked to Billy Van Zant you know we are you know I read his book and it's 
yeah, we went off on tangents, which is which is great. But I always find that you have to know enough to be able to let it go anywhere you want, and then it just you ha- you know it, so you can bring it back if you need to kind of go in a new direction or 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 expand on something that we had. A lot of times when I talk to comedians on the show, you know, it's it just it's kind of more of a conversation because comedians tend not to want to be Q and A'd, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can't right. Q and A them. Like some of the ones I have come on and they've done stuff. So we talk a lot and then I go, all right, I'm going to ask you a few questions, but it's more like just so the audience is aware of what they did. You know what I mean? So, you know, they, you know, like uh, my f- friend Bill Dwyer was on um, recently and he was, you know, he was on hot in Cleveland. He was on last comic standing. He was on. And so if you didn't know, if you didn't know him outside of just, he was a host of BattleBots. So if you didn't know him outside of just being a comedian, you know, some of those things I wanted to make sure because a lot of times they're not going to necessarily bring it up. You know what I mean? You and- know what I find with comedians? Um, unless you're in tune with the comedy world uh, and unless you got a like one of the biggest names, if you got Dave Chappelle on, everybody knows him. If you had um, Bill or Bert Kreischer on, people know him. But I had Doug Stanhope on and I had to explain to probably about... 300 of my friends who he was. I think Dad, Doug Stanhope's a pretty top name. Yeah, probably. big name. Uh, Steve Byrne. I had Steve Byrne on and had to explain to people who he was. It's like, so if you can be very big in the world of comedy and comedy fans will know you, but the general public is not so in tune to who those comedians are. And, and that always surprises me, like that I have to explain who Bert Kreischer is. <laughs> you know? I was just, I was just talking about this uh, with uh, a comedian that I'm having on. And I was saying, I went to a show. It was Mitch. Hedberg, David, David Tell, and Lewis Black. And uh, obviously it was a while ago. And, yeah. and so a lot of people didn't know who any of those people were. And like wow. in my world, those are three of the biggest planets circling the, the comedy world, you know? And they're like, uh, we don't know who that is. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, but it's like, it's, you know, it's, I guess it's like how people don't know, you know, so like, my my parents probably wouldn't know who BTS was or, you know what I mean? Or you're like, you know, certain things where it's like to some people it's their world and some people, you know, if it's not their world, it's just not, you know? Right. But yeah, I mean, you, you talk to people like um, Jackie, the joke man, I think, I think most people knew who he, he was when, when I had him on and only and- because of Stern. But if it was that before was on Long Island, he was a pretty big comedian locally here where, where I am. He was a, he was, but nobody knew him until he was on Stern. And so, and like Artie Lang, the same thing. Artie was a headliner around the country, but he wasn't, and even though it was on mad TV and all that stuff before Stern, nobody really, he wasn't a household name ever until Stern. And so, you know, that can make or break you that kind of big exposure. Uh, but you brought up Hedberg. I want to do a tribute on Hedberg and I've been studying him recently and I found some, some footage on him that, he was not the Mitch Hedberg that I think you know. Certainly not the one I know with the real, uh, the unmistakable delivery that he had, you know, that kind of burnt out hippie, uh, almost with a southern drawl, even though he's from Michigan or, or up where you are somewhere in that neighborhood somewhere. But he didn't have any of that. He was very uh, clear spoken, looking the audience directly in the eyes like, who the fuck? This is not Mitch Hedberg. 
Vince Hedberg. This is not the one I know. It was a very early tape and a rare tape. Same material, trying to be the same delivery, but without any of that, you know, put on. And uh, I always thought that was his, just naturally who he was. So now I'm, I want to talk to people who really knew him, Lynn, Lynn Soulcroft and, and, and Stan Hope and, again, and just kind of ask them, what was the trigger that made him think I need to get, develop this character? Because I thought that character was him the whole time. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I do know I was, I was, I couldn't listen to his routines before going on stage because I would pick up his, his yeah. rhythm of speech, right. not his jokes, but his, his rhythm. And in my head, I could hear it and I couldn't stop it. It was like right. one of those things. Was like, <laughs> I know. You know. I can't tell my wife his jokes because, uh, I, I will have to do his voice on him, and I, I find myself like it doesn't work for me. It's like I can't right. do this, stuff, but right. I, that's the way you hear it because it just right. it's like that. Well, with a comedian like that, what do you think? Do you think his uh, gift was that delivery, or was it the material? Because the material, when if I say it, it's not going to get the same laugh at all. As the, you know, obviously, I don't have the comic timing he does. But do you think his his appeal was as much delivery as it was content? Yeah, I think it's always a combination of the person delivering it and the confidence that they have with their own material. I often looked at Lewis Black's material and thinking to myself, I could go on stage and say that. I would never be Lewis Black. You know right. what I mean? It's like, it's like Mitch Heber kind of doing it with the look and and, and, just, the, and the, just the confidence yeah, behind yeah. it and even just knowing when those things bombed. Because the interesting thing about Mitch Hedberg is if you watch his original 30-minute, 23-minute, whatever, cut down Comedy Central special, which is what kind of made him famous or made most people aware of him, they released the 45-minute version, and he's bombing the whole time, the right. whole show. But the way they edited it, it made him look amazing. And he is, he is. And, you know, so it's... It's it's just funny how how that that works, you know. It's like I got his jokes bouncing in my head right now. <laughs> like, right. Uh, and, I uh, seem to be used to uh, people not getting the jokes or taking a minute to think about the jokes, and that would kind of because uh, I saw I, as I mentioned, I've been studying him a lot lately, like going through everything I could find on the guy, and it seemed like uh, at some points, some nights where the audience wasn't that quick on the uptake to get the joke and would take a few seconds uh, to, to, to respond. He would get a little angry sometimes, anger, or uh, just make fun of the fact that you don't get this, do you? <laughs> like, and just talk to people like that, which is kind of weird for a shy guy like that to actually kind of confront an audience on, on some of that stuff. Now, uh, I was, I, the interesting thing when I saw him live was that people were throwing out, at the end, where people were throwing out requests and, and he, you know, and he was the opener on that act, I mean, or not opener. There was an opener, Jesse Pop, a local comedian who's who's doing good things. But, but I mean, he went first. So I mean, in terms of like you know star power, you know, it's held and Lewis Black. But you know, but we all look back with him as being like this, you know, this, you know, just so famous. But and it, it was it was tragic the way he died. You know, the, I think it was drugs related and all that kind of stuff. And it's. It's a, it's the downside of comedy is, you know, just being alone and all the downtime and quiet time. You know, you're only working those times you're working during the weekend. So yeah, tra traveling, it's hard, you know, so. Very but, tragic. Right. Very tragic. Um, so the question I yeah, have now, Mitch. With, with Mitch, David Tell and Lewis Black, who's the headliner on that show? 
That was it was Lewis Black was the headliner. I mean, wow. if you define headliner as the guy who goes last. Yeah, but, I would have I mean, I think it was like a, I think it was like Bill is like this powerhouse tour, but yeah. but uh I'm pretty sure Attell went middle and then Lewis Black. I'm almost positive. Yeah. It was yeah. Uh, David tells from this neighborhood, and he used to. I know he had a show on Comedy Central, Central, like I forget what it was called, but it was like basically touring pubs of 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 the area, uh, not just the area. He would go around and to any town, small town in America, and check out the nightlife in small pubs of that kind of stuff. And uh, that was a cool show. So I thought he was a, you know, that kind of stuff can get your yeah, household name too. But you're those three names right now. I think Lewis Black is the only one that. Most most people I would talk to would would recognize the name on. <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah. Well, yeah. Lewis Black was on the Daily Show, and so you know, there's there was a little more visibility. But so I yeah. have not seen you live stand up, I but I've seen plenty uh, of on YouTube. Now <laughs> the question is, uh, well, there's a lot of questions here. Your your personality is way different when you're on stage than than you are here tonight, right? Uh, is that it? Is that a conscious uh, decision to kind of be a different, be a little more, I don't know if I want to call it assertive. It's, it's, um, it's just a different, different vibe that I get from, from watching you on stage. And it's consistent. You're consistent every time, every clip I've seen, and I've seen probably 20 or 30 now of you on stage and you uh, on the YouTube stuff, but it's different than you are here now. So it's that part of like finding your stage comedic voice. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Like my my brother used to say to me, he's like, uh, he would call that on stage, Jeff. Right. <laughs> and uh, you know, he's like, he'd always say to me, he's like, you know, who I want to be friends with, on stage, Jeff. <laughs> right. Well, no, you know, it's like you can't you can't live like that. Gilbert Gottfried isn't Gilbert Gottfried off stage. You know, I've sat with him in the green room. Oh, no, he's not sitting backstage going, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's, you know, it's like it's. Yeah. When I'm on stage, it's it's a different, right? I mean, we're having a conversation right now. For that's a monologue on stage. That's not a dialogue. So there is no um, there is no back and forth on stage. There is a little, you do interact with some people up front, though. I mean, you know, it's almost like, uh, and I, it's a it's a really exaggerated uh, analogy here, but it's almost like Clark Kent and Superman. Uh, you, you take the glasses off, and then you. Uh, fist bumping people in the front front room you don't seem like the guy who's going to do a lot of fist bumping this guy this jeff but the one on stage will will do that occasionally well yeah <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know there's different things i mean we, we here we were talking about masks and like serious conversation and you know on stage like i said it's it's the the dialogues that i have with people when I'm on stage, the ones that you're referring to are very scripted in the sense that I know exactly how it's going to go. There's enough variability to it that can make it a little unique based on their reactions, but I'm very specific in how I, how I talk to them and the specific way I ask the questions and the specific ways I respond to keep it kind of toned to what I'm trying to do. Right. And so you know, but and so it gives the impression that I'm engaging and interacting with the audience, but in a controlled way versus me just kind of going, "Are there any birthdays?" You know, or yeah. where you don't know what's going to happen or something like that. But it, you know, but it's 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 one of those things. It is, you know, like uh, 
you know, when actors don't act when they're, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's the version of me that, you know, I, that gets to come out when you're on stage, you know? So it's, you know, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a different version of me. Yeah. But. This is the third version of me, by the way, there's, there's me, the home me. Then there's the me, the guy who plays music on stage with a band who's kind of, uh, still kind of shy and introverted. And then there's this one that nobody who knows me recognizes. They're like, who's that guy? You, you, you seem awfully comfortable talking to people when you're on the radio or talking to people on podcasts or live stream or anything like that. That's not you. That's not. And, and, and everybody who knows me, that's not me. I'm, I'm one of these guys with like high functioning alt, uh, autism where you know, I look down, I can't make eye contact and that kind of stuff. I'm really awkward and shy. Uh, but or here I can just talk to anybody about anything for hours and hours and it, it baffles people. It's, it, it's a, a strange personality thing that happens to performers, uh, depending on the environment, right? So I appreciate that that you you get it. <laughs> but, no, I, yeah, I totally get it, and it, and yeah. I acknowledge it too. I it's you know who I like being that person, and you know like on my podcast, you know in the beginning and the kind of the end, I'm a little hyper version, closer to on stage than I am off. Like right. you have you have the mic that kind of mounts to your desk. It looks like, or something and then comes across. I specifically have, you can't kind of see it, but you can see the top of it. I have a mic stand, the same mic stand that I would use if I was on stage doing comedy. And I, I do that because when I do record, it puts me in the mindset of being on stage. And when I do used to have a, a thing on my desk and I felt I had to lean over, it wasn't natural to me. And so in terms of how I needed to perform, and so like when you listen to like the beginning of my podcast, they're usually the first five or six minutes before I bring on my guests. It, that's, that's probably more akin to what you're calling on stage, Jeff. That's yeah. a little more cause it's me doing the, the, the shtick and saying what I need to say and in a, in non monotone, you know, I'm <laughs> kind of going at it. I and, get then, it. and then also at the end, but the, when I'm the, interviewing, I'm probably more, I'm more laid back because I don't also don't want to over, I don't want to steamroll my my uh, the people I'm interviewing because I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. I want them to feel like they're talking to a friend, and I can't be the made up version of me if I want you know an authentic back and forth conversation. So right, in right. that in that sense, you know that that version of me is I try not to cross into fanboy. Even some some I've been closer to than others, you know, like where, like I can't believe I'm talking to this person type thing. But, um, but yeah, you know, I try yeah, I try to just kind of maintain it, and I think that comes across in the interviews that I do, where they get comfortable and they'll just start saying talking about things and going off on on tangents. It's like it's like how we went off on the Mitch Hedberg tangent here, right? That's yeah, right. part, that's part of you know, like I say something and then, oh we can go in that direction that was not on the plan right. but here we go we can fill up some space with this this is gonna work <laughs> yeah I get that completely and you know what the podcast audience doesn't want to hear people doing their act they want they want to be a fly on the wall they want real real authentic conversation and things that they might be uh, wanting to talk about too but don't ha necessarily have a podcast although almost everybody does now uh, <laughs> but. But uh, it's interesting. Uh, two things were interesting there. You talked about the microphone. And part of the Hedberg thing I saw was 
they had him body mic for one show and he couldn't handle it. He's like, this is my mic hand and I don't know what you have to pardon my mic hand. It's, it's really confused right now because he's so used to having uh, that microphone on, on there. So that, that's, uh, kind of an interesting, uh, take on that too. I don't, I don't remember what the other point I wanted to, cause of that answer I wanted to address on, but on the stuff on YouTube, right? Uh, what what I see when when I see stuff like that you got on there, I know as a musician, it would bother me if people in the crowd were uh, kind of taping it and getting like poor lighting, poor sound, and all that kind of stuff. And but with comedians, it's you know you mentioned Hedberg, people would do requests because he could repeat material. A lot of comedians are really protective; they don't want their best stuff out there because that they feel like it's going to uh, kill their. Uh, opportunities for work what's your take on that are you uh are you protective of don't don't film me because i don't you know i want to use this at another comedy club tomorrow night i don't want those people hearing the jokes on the youtube <laughs> if my problem was that people posted me and everyone saw it <laughs> i don't think that would be too much of a problem but you know what i mean like i understand what you're saying it's like but it's kind of like i had this conversation with a comedian once who was a little more when I was first starting out. And he said, it's like listening to an album. You know what I mean? It's like when you, when they start playing the song, you don't go, when Billy Joel starts playing piano, man, you're like, Oh, I know this one. It's like, you know what I mean? Like that's that you, you connect with it differently. And the reality is with, with jokes and you know, as a comedian, I loved hearing comedians tell jokes over and over again. There's a certain, if you understand how live anything works, like people go to the same plays more than once, same play, same guy dies at the end. People watch Titanic again. Jack's not going to live ever. <laughs> She's still going to hog the, you know, the door. And, and so it's like, even like when people will come back, they, you know, generally what they would, the feedback I would normally get was, Oh, you added something or you did that differently or you do it better now. Or, and in, in my head, I'm like, none of those things, Nothing changed. (laughs) Maybe I did get better. You know what I mean? Or maybe something happened. And, you know, so it's to me, it's like when they hear it again, because it's live, they're going to hear it in a slightly different way anyway. Right. right. Because and they probably don't remember the whole joke. They just remember how they felt from the joke. That kind of thing. Right. Unless they're like they've seen you like a million times. And in which case, then they're probably saying it along with you and having a good time. So. Now, if somebody is practicing material, you know, like Eddie Murphy was, you know, I think was talking and he's like, if Eddie Murphy is going to clubs right now to try and do a special that's going to be on Netflix, yes, he, Eddie Murphy doesn't want that material being taped, right? Because he doesn't want the material leaking before he gets to actually fine tune it and, right. and then present it the way he wants to present it. But once he presents it that one time, yeah. It doesn't matter after that. You know what I mean? Then it's like someone just captured that moment, you know, and it's never, you know, I, I understand why, I understand why people would be against it. And I just, you know, it is what it is. I mean, well, you're, we the first, in an age. you're the first guy who's ever said that, that and I agree with you. And uh, that's been my position 
for a long time. I, you know, I, so I've used the music analogy that you use. People, when they go to a concert, they want to hear the hits. And when I used to go see Rodney Dangerfield, I mean, half that show was jokes I had heard on The Tonight Show or any place that I, I've, I've seen them before. People wanted those, you know, they wanted it and expected. And sometimes if he didn't do it, they'd be disappointed in yelling it out. Like, you know, do the one about your fat mother-in-law or whatever, whatever it was. Right. But out of, I'd say 200 comedians I've interviewed, you're the first one who's ever agreed with me on, on the fact that people do like, and are okay at, at minimum with hearing stuff they know already from a, from a comedian in a live. Uh, so congratulations for being a friend. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think it's like, it's just paranoia. I mean, it's just, it's look, I know somebody, I may have a friend, Mike green. He's one of my favorite comedians and he's been doing it forever. And there isn't a show that I ever worked with him that someone hadn't seen him. 30 times like there were there was never a show where five people there had this wasn't their 30th Mike Green show and most of the jokes he did was the same jokes I worked with him a million times you know which jokes are new and and which jokes are always in every show no one ever said why'd you do that joke again (laughs) they love hearing those jokes again and again and again you know it's like there's I I see absolutely there's, there's no downside to it. That's how you get. If you if you had seen it, oh, I saw Ronnie Dangerfield live five times, and you never did a Doctor Fitty Boombots joke. <laughs> right, yeah, right. No, it's like uh, what? You know, <laughs> right, yeah. You go to see John Panette. I mean, if, when he was alive, but like, you know, and he didn't do the "You here for hours." You know, what I mean, it's like yeah. you'd be sad. You'd want to. You want to hear it. You know. Yeah, and yeah, I know some guys would save it for last, and 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 you know they'd wait for, um, wait for the audience to yell for it before they do it because they feel like you know what that's kind of, and that is show showmanship to to a certain extent. And I agree with that. I know what I wanted to uh, respond to what you said before. You you said the word I don't want to be a fanboy in an interview uh, type of thing. It happened to me with Stanhope the first time I had him on the program because I had him by surprise. It was I was not expecting it. And when I first started my podcast, if and somebody did ask me who's like who's your who's your dream guest? Who do you really want to get on? I, I said, without thinking twice, I said, Doug Stanhope. I would love to have Stanhope on. I don't know why, but I, I really respond to his comedy a lot. And I think he would be a great interview. And so I was on Twitter one day at the start of the pandemic. And uh, I saw him on Twitter and he, he posted, uh, somebody sent me a link to one of them zoom things. I want to try it out. And so I sent him this link. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, he's not going to do it. And I got up to walk away, and I heard the little pop that says, you know, somebody's in the in the room. And I looked down, and it's him. I was like, holy shit. So I brought him in. and But I at that moment, I turned into a 13-year-old girl, and Elvis knocked <laughs> on the door. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna. <laughs> uh, but I got through it, and he was really gracious to help me get through it. But, you know, that when you said fanboy, that, that comes back to me. Because that's the one thing I regret was totally losing my cool in that moment of uh and i'm usually not a person who's knocked out by celebrity meeting celebrities and 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 big names like that but when it happened like that in a surprising way and i wasn't ready for it it was just like the middle of the day and i wasn't expecting totally lost it and became you know i was trying to do his material back to him which is the worst thing you could do to a comedian (laughs) (laughs) i was talking to somebody yesterday and i I was i was like i wasn't i'm like i'm not doing your material but i had to butcher it enough so he knew what joke i was talking about (laughs) you know what i mean but 
but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, most of the folks I've talked to, I worked with, you know, everyone says to me, like, one of the cool things about being a comedian is you get to, as a comedian, work with famous people immediately almost. I mean, it's not, it's not weird if you've only been doing comedy a year or two that you have at least a few good names under your belt. <laughs> because usually when those people come, they like go, oh, who can we grab to just put up first and take the bullet? You know, it's some new guy, right? And so you're like, oh, okay. So, you know, I thank goodness for Facebook. I had connected with all these people over the years and um you know it's funny like hal sparks and um craig shoemaker i'd never actually worked with um but i had become connected with them on twitter and so i've known them for years on twitter you know an, an right. occasional dm here or there hal sparks when he was in town i actually did go meet him at the comedy club you know five years ago but you know so it was like yeah, it's like one of those things i worked with jackie the joke man right and my wife's like he emailed Jackie the joke man. I'm like, I'm like, he'll, he, maybe he'll just say no. I mean, or he'll say nothing. <laughs> he said yes. So, you know what I mean? It's like, you, everyone's like, how do you get all these guests? And it's like, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, you, yeah, you, know, you just you, see. Yeah. You know how I first met, I knew about Jackie it was in the 70s. Yeah. In the very late 70s, he had joke line. And yeah, where, where I live. Does, I oh, really? Where you just call up and he tell you a joke, like a recorded. <laughs> <laughs> it was hey, his, I think it was his answering machine at the time. <laughs> you know, I think he had like 15 lines in the heyday, and now it's like maybe one line. But you can still call it right now, yeah. That's, uh, oh wow, I didn't know. I didn't know he was still doing that. But that's how that's how I first heard of him. Long that was before, way before Stern. Uh, but it's just funny that. So um, booking a guest, are you doing it mostly from from people you know? Uh, that and uh you know there's a uh, publicist steve joiner and then the people i just uh i reach out to that i know so you know and then you know there's people like uh one time i was we were talking about tv shows and uh somebody added on twitter this guy anthony carboni who was executive producer of the floor is lava which is a game show on netflix and so i'm like you want to be on the show <laughs> it's like sure you know so i interviewed you know so it was like one of those you know so sometimes they just happen like that too you know but, cool. you know it's forging it's all about you know you just start networking and then um it was it was funny i had bruce valanche on and then uh, i emailed somebody who i really liked um that I just out of the blue had no connection to whatsoever. I just shot her an email and said, you know, I've read your books and I'd love to talk to you. And she's like, well, I guess if it's good enough for Bruce Valanche. <laughs> right. So well, hopefully like that, that's how I look at like uh, all the, the buildup and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah. Um, uh, you know, that once you have one big name on that people recognize, it makes it a whole lot easier for other people to say yes. Uh, I, I, uh, confess to you that Doug Stanhope was my dream guest. Do you have one? <laughs> dream guest? Uh, I would like to talk to Steven Spielberg or uh, Steve Martin. <laughs> Steve Martin would be amazing, right? I, I'm yeah, Steve Steven Spielberg. Uh, so you're in, you're big into films. Um, I'm big into Steven Spielberg. I mean, yeah, I like films. I like TV. I mean, I like I like everything. You know. Um, but you know, just I, is Spielberg. I don't. I don't know. I just. It just seems like everything I loved, loved, loved growing up was Steven Spielberg. Really, some part of it. Yeah. So, uh, you feel, then, uh, comedy wise, Steve Martin was always one of my favorites early, early on. So, really, you don't. You don't seem. Um, 
old enough to know the the uh, the duel. Do you know the duel? <laughs> the Steven Spielberg's first movie. It was our first TV made for TV movie. Yeah, about the the it, van or the whatever. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I know it. It might have been just before. My time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, um, it's curious because, you know, Steve Martin's kind of old too. I don't think, you know, and I don't know how old you are, but when I was seeing him in the 70s doing his stand up stuff, I don't think he's done stand up since really, or maybe one time, I think. Uh, I forget where it was. Somebody brought him on stage to do, oh, Chris Rock brought him on stage to do something stand up. But I don't think he's done it since like the 1980, right? Steve Martin? Yeah, he's, yeah, I don't think he's done it. He's an actor now, or actor, author, banjo, music maker. I think he's done a lot since. Right. That's so, his focus. What do you think about that? Because uh, I, I brought this up recently and ca- caught a lot of fire for my opinion that, you know, I was a huge Carlin fan and still am in in George's prime. I thought he there was he was the gold standard in stand up comedy for my era, but at some point I think he stopped caring about being funny and be, wanted to do uh, what I call almost lecture co- college lecture type stuff and philosophy more than comedy. But this idea that a lot of comedians they use stand up as a vehicle to kind of move past it, whether to be in television and film or something else. Uh, do you have any kind of thoughts on that? And would you ever, uh, you know, use that or, or you, you know, stand up a temporary thing in your mind or is it something you could, you could do forever? You know, stand up is it's, it's hard to quit. I, I, it's, I am, I mean, I could, I could see where like, you you would quit if like you became a TV star or movie star, but um, you know I I don't know you know it, it, I have to see how my me personally I have to see how COVID kind of plays out and 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 the, how the all that kind of comes to play. I don't mind being a podcaster. I don't mind having transition to doing live shows and um, you know I started a live show on, on Wednesdays and then I do the podcast and then you know, if that became what it is and that's where I just get to be funny and not have to leave my house. Right. You're doing a live virtual show. When I, when I first started out with my podcast, I never, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get guests. I didn't really know, you know I mean? What was going to happen? Right. So I remember giveaway secret, I guess. So my friend, I have a friend, Dan Zare, who is the host of coffee with Kenobi. And he's like one of the, like he's just he's a renowned Star Wars expert. He's a teacher and he's just he's like one of the top Star Wars people. And so we had met because at one point in my life, there was a good two weeks in my life where people thought I was an influencer. So Gillette actually flew me to Pinewood Studios in London for the Rogue One, Gillette's Rogue One big event at Pinewood Studios. Pinewood Studios is where they filmed all the wow. crazy movies, right? So it was like, it was insane. It was like one of those things where like on a Thursday, originally they were just going to send me a razor. <laughs> like, okay. And then like, it's like a Thursday and they're like, can you be in, in London next Tuesday? And I'm like, honey, do you care if I go to London next Tuesday? And he's like, sure. And she's like, yeah, go, okay. And so, you know, I, I couldn't bring my phone. I couldn't get a phone plan. And it, thankfully they, it was interesting in the, the hotel. They actually had a phone I could use and walk around like a, a mobile phone. And so I just, I went, it was, a, it was, and it was this really cool party. And so I met all these Star Wars people. And I, I stayed in, in contact with Dan. And so when I called him and I got a few episodes under my belt, I'm like, can we, can we talk about Star Wars? 
And at the time, my episodes were pretty short. I was my mindset was let's just do 15 ish episodes, minute episodes. And that all changed when I met Larry Hankin and, and, and <laughs> he had like so many stories. I'm like, all right, I'll let it go a little bit longer for, and then they, they seem to now be around an hour. But uh, back then, so I recorded the episode. We talked about the Empire Strikes Back. It was like the 40th thing. And we talked about that for like 15 minutes. And then we stopped. And since I had him, you know, you never know, you know, it takes so long to get somebody. So then we start, we recorded the second episode, which came um, probably a month or so later, where we talked about the Mandalorian. And so, you know, we started that one with, wow, it's been so long since we talked, you know, <laughs> pretending like it. And so I had done the same thing with this, a couple of buddies of mine where we did this thing called Crossing the Streams. And it was, we basically just talked about TV shows that we think everyone should be watching. And so we did two episodes of that. And they were two of the more, you know, when you talk about you have all these famous people on, two of my most popular episodes, <laughs> which is me and two of my buddies talking about TV shows, you know what right. I mean? So, so when I decided like, oh, maybe a live show would be a good addition to this. And then I was talking to them and I'm like, well, you know, maybe we should just do, a, we could do a crossing the stream segment in my show, in the podcast, you know, just a quick three minutes. And then I was like, hey, you know what, let's, maybe this is a good thing to do for the live show. And so, and then we can bring, then I can bring guests. It's easy to bring in guests because then they don't have to even worry about, they don't have to carry the hour. They'll be like one of the, you know, 20% of the crew. They'll talk about one of their favorite shows. That'll be like their spotlight, quick introduction. They can banter when they want to banter. You know, they don't have to worry about anything. They just come in, right? They don't have to be exciting like I am for now. <laughs> and so <laughs> the, uh, you know, so there's, there's that. You know, when you watch me there, that's there. I'm more like on stage, Jeff, because I'm like the, <laughs> the host. I feel like I need to like amp it up a little bit now for you. But the, um, you know, so that's that's what we ended up doing. So we just we've done two episodes now, and the first time I didn't realize I had to hit live, <laughs> go live. I thought it just went. <laughs> just like, so you did the first episode. If you watch it, like I think we're live now. I think we're live. <laughs> Oh, that was me not realizing it just didn't go live. Yeah. <laughs> Hit like go live. What so, are you are you on Zoom? Is that what you're using? No, I'm using the same thing you're using. Stream yeah. Yard, okay, so. yeah, the go live button up on the top there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, you learn as you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you definitely do. Uh that that's so interesting. The thing that got me there, the the two episodes with your buddies were were two of your most popular shows. I had I actually, you know, Steve Byrne and, and Doug Stanhope are my two top shows. But the one in third place is a guy nobody ever heard of, uh, and he's he's been a bit actor that's never had any like significant speaking lines or anything. I had him on; it was a daytime show, and it was uh, to me it was a very difficult um, conversation because he just you know he's one of these people who asked to be on a podcast and then really doesn't want to talk about himself and very shy one word answers uh, and uh, a name nobody would recognize. But it's got, I think it's got 60,000 views on YouTube and the downloads uh, from, from the audio podcast has over 400,000 downloads and it's nobody, anybody ever heard of. And I can't figure out why. <laughs> it is, and it's driving me crazy. And I, you know, I don't want to put it out there and embarrass the guy, but I'm just like, what, what the hell is it about this guy that, that everybody, you know, is, it, Drawing so much attention. So, does your experience in social media and hashtagging and all that stuff does that help in the podcasting world in kind of 
getting stuff seen and or listened to? Sometimes, you know, I mean, it's hard because I didn't realize what a full-time job it is. And I think you become a pain in the ass. It's like, it's like on Facebook, everyone, the first, when you go, when you post, I just started my new job, you know, you'll get, you'll get 500 likes. Right. And then if you start posting about your job, nobody, nobody cares at that point. It's like, so there's that quick drop off on social media. Facebook, I find useless. I mean, the groups that I'm in, some groups are, are great, but my you can look. I was I was joking about this the other day. I, I post a picture of my pumpkin pie I made for Thanksgiving. It gets like you know, hundred some likes. Then I'm like, here's my podcast. You know, the thing that I really care about and put all my time into. <laughs> you know, you know how like all of you would come up to me at restaurants and say, "Oh, you're so funny on Facebook." Well, I, I kind of put that on to a thing that you can now listen to on demand. That guy right. you think is so funny that you went out of your way to tell me at the restaurant. You can now get me live anytime you want on your Apple devices or Amazon devices. And it's like nothing. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, you're and, never going to get attention from people who know you uh, with podcasting. My All my attention comes from people I, I don't know. I get a lot of email now uh, from people and I'm finding out. And I know that all, none of my friends have really consistently, they might have checked out a few moments uh, of the podcast. I have one or two friends who kind of, uh, every once in a while, we'll tune into the live stream, but you know, it's not for your friends and family. They don't want, they don't, cause they can talk to you personally. Right. So, well, right, right, right. yeah. And why am I going to sit with the earphones in or put you on in the car in a podcast or whatever, whatever, however people absorb con- uh, podcast content. But so, yeah, you're going to, your complete following will always be strangers, but still, I think what, you know, the techniques of social media have been if they're important and I'm still learning them. I was never to the point where anybody considered me an influencer. Uh, <laughs> just two weeks, <laughs> <laughs> but just two weeks. Cause, cause I, I read that in your bio somewhere and I put it in the promotion here. Yeah, I yeah. forget what it said. Influencer, uh, box breaker. I was like, what the hell is a box breaker? Uh, but social media guru and stuff like that, uh, that comes up when I, when you research you. So I just put all that. No, in. no, no it, it's, it's legit. I just, you know, it, it's box breaker. You know, I just, I, I, like, I'm eclectic. So I, like, I don't like being put in a box. That's what I mean by that. But the, um, yeah, I mean, the social, like I push on all the socials, you know, I do all the things, but it, you know, it's a, but you know, it's like anything. It's like, it, it's the difference. I guess my point was, it's the difference between if we did one show and said, Hey, watch this. And then everyone watched that one show. But once they realize, oh, if I give this guy attention, this is a full-time commitment. This isn't just like, it's, it's like the difference is like when you look and you go, Oh, that is such a great photo. You look so great. You know, like, 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 it doesn't go beyond that, right? right. They're, they're, those people aren't like, here's my photo, and here's a 30-minute behind-the-scenes uh, footage of me doing the photo. You got to check it out. You got to check it out. Like, no, we're not checking that out. And it's right. like, so it's one of those things. So it's, but as people watch it or listen, they're like, oh, this is good. <laughs> so, you know, then, then, you know, I did win an award. I won uh, Indie Pods United, named me one of the top 25 independent podcast of 2020 so that was like a bunch of podcasters that gave that to me so that would that meant something it wasn't like something i had to beg for votes for or anything and so that meant something to me and so that was cool it kind of validated you know me a little bit but you know you you just push and like you hope like i what i do like one of the things i do on social is uh i created this thing called hashtag roundup 
which is a Twitter property, but it's also an app. And so we play these hashtag games. They're call and response, uh, marriage in four words, you know, things like that. Things where if you if you, you should be able to just you don't have to be you don't have to have some niche knowledge to to play along. And so what I do is when I part of my shows, I find a hashtag that we've done over the last five years or so, and I read some of the tweets from people, and then I retweet them, and then you know let them know they're in the show. And then that's and they go, hey, if you want to hear your tweet, I re- I'm reading your tweet. And so then you know, then they'll tune in, and that's that's a good way to kind of you know win win scenario to kind of get them to to right. listen to the show. So that's that's kind of cool. I've never understood hashtags, and I, I've worked in marketing and social media for for a lot of my side gigs, the, the gigs that I had to do to make uh, a living playing music and take, but I still don't understand hashtags and how they work. I mean, uh, uh, it, it's just funny. Like, uh, so if I hashtag something, somebody has to search for, for that uh, term to, and that will come up on a page where all everything that's hashtag. So, we, so what we do is we have, we built this entire community. So if you go to at hashtag roundup, we have, um, I think I think at nine o'clock one started, and then at ten thirty, you know, one will start, and then in the morning there'll be one eight, you know, whatever. We pin, we have there's an entire schedule in the app. It's a free app. I'm not trying to sell, I'm not trying to sell anything. And and so the it's a free app, and if you get it, it'll send a push to your phone. You know, say hey, we're playing you know science fiction in four words or whatever it is. I, I keep using four words, and so not all like that. So a lot of them are like Christmas song mashups. You know, it's things like that, and so. Um, then when you go, so what we do is we produce original stuff. It's not like Monday motivation or hashtag the walking dead. They're very specific premises, call and response ideas that anybody can do. And I built it originally under the kind of the guise of thinking like, you know, so many people don't know what to tweet, you know, like, Oh, I I just shared what I ate for breakfast. Now I don't know what to do. (laughs) So this, this was part of that solution to me that I built. You know, we've trended hundreds of worldwide tags and over 8,000. We've done over 10,000 of these games and 8,000 trends in the United States. So it's like they're popular. A lot of times you see like these popular fun hashtags. It's If it's not from Jimmy Fallon, it's likely from us. And so that's that's what I did. So then I, I incorporate that into my show as well. And then so I'm able to kind of pitch my own app but then also bring those people in. And then I kind of use that to do, to gain some audience as well. You know, and then you always hope that the guests, guests are hit or miss, whether how much they'll um, retweet or, you know, what platforms they'll, they'll reshare on and stuff like that. But, you know, you just, you just keep pushing, you right. just keep pushing. So. I assume uh, John Dwoskin is your brother. Or related yes, somehow. That's my brother. Yes. Uh, yeah, he has a uh, podcast too. That's about marketing or something, isn't it? Doesn't he? Have some kind of business type of. Um, yeah, my brother and I have yeah different kinds of podcasts, but his podcasts are all very business focused and very. He's a, a business coach, and so, and he was the one that said you should name your show the Jeff Jawaskin Show. <laughs> so, because hey, hey. so, yeah. I I have. I try to do everything on this show, so I don't have a niche at all. I don't. I mean, I've had comedians on, but I have film, filmmakers, musicians, authors, lots and lots of authors. But I also had a business edition going at one one p.m. Uh, so I do a, a lot, you know, 
two shows a day, a day, seven days a week. So I'll have everybody on. Now that hurts me a bit because people don't know what to expect. And sometimes, like the other day, I had a religious guy on at one o'clock in the afternoon, a guy who has a whole different take on Christianity, which blew my mind just to hear, hear it. And then at night, I had a girl with a, uh, who's an author of a book called Tits Out, Chin Up. Uh, yeah, tits out or chin up, tits out. One of one of those, and then let's talk about sex. The following one, so it's confusing to the audience, and so it, it, that hurts me in a bit. But I just have too many interests to kind of narrow down and and niche the way you do or the way he does. So he's strictly business. You're strictly comedy. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm comedy, and then I have interviewed like a Pinterest expert, and I do have some in the can. You know people talking about Reddit and Twitter with me and, and stuff like that. You know, so do I you feel pressure like, to make those funny. No, because you know, I want it to be informative. I want people right. to like, you know, I, I think, I mean, how much very specific can you get? Like to me, it's, this is mind dog TV. So what mind dog TV is good conversations, right. right? I mean, it's in, and good conversations doesn't mean always with the people that do exactly the same thing. Right. right? So, I mean, it's like, to me, it's like, I love that. Like my next episode, I think is a deep dive into James Bond. So I, I'm going to have like these, I have a bunch of these in the, that I've done where we kind of just focus on one, kind of topic where it's not necessarily a guy that was in James Bond. This guy wrote a book on James Bond. So we just for an hour, 45 minutes, talk about the whole mythos of James Bond. I have another one where I talked to about with the Bee Gees. We just kind of like some, like an artist that's interesting to me. And it's an expert on the artist, right? He's not one of the Bee Gees. And so like, to me, those, those are kind of offshoot types of conversations. You know, when I listen to like social media podcasts, it's like, you know, I don't need the 12th guy talking about how to do a Facebook ad. He's not saying much different than the other guys. So it's like, if you don't have like the ability to kind of expand and contract on who you're doing, you know, authors probably have similar beats to how they talk about the publisher and this and that. So like if every fourth person's a publisher, a book, and here's an actor and here's a comedian, it kind of mixes it up again. I mean, you're the one that kind of controls the beats, right? So that's what makes it mind dog TV. And that's what people want to tune in for. So that's, right. you know, like when you listen to like Johnny Carson or any of those, they always had different kinds of people on there and then brought in like weird dogs, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I, I definitely agree with that. And I that's the position I come from. I just want to have compelling conversations that can add value to people's lives. And it's not going to be for everybody, which is why I always say check the schedule to see if we're having, you know, a guest that, or a topic that interests you. Not every everything is going to be for you. But I also realize that from a business perspective, people are creatures of habit. And so you want people like you want them to kind of continually uh, to tune in. But when you do it as often as I do, two shows a day, seven days a week, you're not going to get the same people continually making a habit out of that. It's just it's you're asking people to give up too much of their lives. So we're here for you when you when you want us, and that's what podcasting is all about. By the way, it's on demand. It's, it's right. So, yeah. it's, it's it's on demand. Right. The, the confusing thing I find about podcasting is there's so you don't know if there was one place to send people. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> it'd be like you know what i mean but it's like it's i it's, can't i can't get any traction on spotify at all and i don't know what the trick is because i see people like especially in the last week people were, were pulling down their numbers from spotify and it made me feel like this big but i know my numbers are big on apple and and, and a lot google play and all those places but for for spotify for some reason like I'm like persona non grata. And it, it just, when I see like big numbers like that, I'm feeling like, man, what am I doing wrong? Why can't, why can't I, why am I getting no traction on Spotify? Do you know where your, your biggest uh, audience comes from? Because you talk about so many different places that are, that are out there. Do you know where you're, where you're hot and where you're not? <laughs> I don't, I don't. Um, you know, it's, I, I I never push YouTube though I, I push everything to YouTube. There's like you can listen to it on YouTube, you know what I mean. But um, you know, so I was surprised to see that there were you know people who were finding it there. I don't know which platform because I had to pay like a little extra for that. So I'm like one less thing to obsess about, you know, because it's, it's like the thing if you if you don't have people coming if you have people coming from Google I don't know it's it's just it's confusing to me I don't know what people use you know that's what I, right. but that's my point everyone uses such different things and there's new apps coming out all the time and you know there's Podchaser and this Humbly app that I just introduced and the um, good good something right uh, right like, good reads or something yeah good right, good, good, good pods good, good pods. pods you know it's yeah. a good all good apps you know but it's like. How many? You know, I'm not going to use ten apps to listen to all the same exact RSS feeds. I mean, the, the one that comes on your phone should be the the one. <laughs> I mean, right? But most people, I don't think even you know. Yeah. I think people people still. I think podcasting has been around for a long time, but I think people still. It's like CrossFit. It's like people who do listen to podcasts talk about podcasts. People right. who do CrossFit talk about CrossFit, and if you don't do it, you don't want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, too. I know a lot of people are now, uh, you know, things are starting to change where people are big, uh, avid listeners of particular podcasts. But here's the thing, and I was talking about this the other day, too, is that, you know, you can be a fan of one or two podcasts, but you don't have a life to be able to kind of, you know, it's not like television where people will plop on a couch and when they get home from work and watch six hours of television, five hours of television, whatever it is, nobody's ever going to do that with podcasts. So you're going to pick out your one favorite, maybe two favorites and listen to them maybe three or four times a week or, or during a drive or whatever. But nobody's ever going to have that kind of uh, consumption habit like we had with television, like, you know, where you sit on the couch and just one after another after another, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, so it's, it's a difficult way to kind of uh forge uh one one thing i before i let you go i just want to talk because we, we were on it before and it, it, it thought occurred to me now you were, we were talking about you doing a little bit of crowd work and you're prepared for that crowd work last week i had john pavaramo on who does a lot of crowd work and what i said to him is uh and i mean this sincerely stand-up comedy i've always said is the bravest thing anybody in entertainment can do because you're just up there with a microphone. You're pretty naked. It's just you and your microphone. It's not like you can hide behind a guitar or you have other people on stage with you. Crowd work is particularly frightening from that point of that, that, and heckling is a part of crowd work, dealing with hecklers and stuff like that. Uh, and I think that's the thing. That's the biggest fear that people who want to try out stand up comedy, but uh, don't, I think that's the fear they have. Do you do you think that that is what holds them back? For, you know, that whole idea of what am I going to do the minute somebody heckles me? Because I know, you know, 
uh, on stage, I might be get might throw me off track, might be nervous, whatever it is. Is that a fear that keeps people from from trying out stand up? People who, who want to do it. Well, I'm sure it is. I I think just public speaking in it in itself is is something that keeps people from doing it. I I do encourage anyone who wants to to try it that or improv. It's it's a great skill to have even if you don't carry on with it but just getting it out of your system and learning some of the skills is great the problem with like hecklers are hecklers in general are assholes and so they're the assholes in your life they're the ones that came to the party and think they're the ones that can make the party better even though somebody else planned the party and so you know when you see a heckler going after a headliner i mean that's no different than someone jumping into a polar bear exhibit and expecting to come out alive. It's just not going to happen. Right. <laughs> so, you know, a headliner in even a feature and it depends, you know, it, it all comes down to, I think a lot of it is how well you can respond to it is how long you've been doing comedy and how much experience and how much confidence you have on stage without losing your place. And right. that comes with time. So the more time you have, you can handle these things better. The thing is you have the mic, right? I mean, so, in a, in a room where no one else has a mic. So you're going to win. You, you have the advantage, you know, it's, it's like, you know, when, uh, when Darth Vader and Obi-Wan were fighting and the, you know, the one with the high ground is going to win, <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, it's like, yeah. And so, you know, fundamentally the sad thing about the hecklers are they truly believe they're funny or it's their way of being the comic but without the balls of actually doing it, you know? Right, I mean? right. And so to yeah. me, it like ruins the show. And, and, and generally if it's a one-off thing, you know, like and it happens, that's one thing. But keep in mind, like when you're starting, like when I would start doing comedy, if someone coughed, you know, anything that's a disruption, it's considered a heckle. It doesn't have to literally be a human being saying something. Uh, somebody could drop their glass. It could break. That's technically kind of a heckle. Even it's not necessarily a person, but it's it's meant to just be a very think of it as an any auditory disruption of what's happening. So I remember like in the beginning, if someone were to cough, throw me <laughs> I'd have to go on to the next joke, you know. And then you get to the point where you're in the middle of routine, someone could disrupt you, you can go on a three minute tangent and then come back to the joke where you left off. You know, but that comes with time, right? So yeah, it, it's scary to think somebody could do it. And it's it's odd because anytime friends would say, I'm going to come to the show, I'm going to heckle you. I'm like, why would you come to the show to ruin the show? Why, why would you Why why would you? You're do my that? friend. You're my yeah, friend. <laughs> hey, I heard you were uh, presenting that PowerPoint to the CEO later. I'm going to come and sit in the back and try and fuck up your career. I'm going to try and fuck you up real good. You know what I, mean? I mean, that's that's basically what you're saying. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah, the the perception is just weird. It's like they don't. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, and you know, back to Hedberg, I saw him say um, uh, to to an audience. He said, "There's another part to that joke, but I can't tell it now because you clapped too long. <laughs> you ruined the rhythm, that stuff. But yeah, um, you know, when I was a young person, I used to." videotape we uh, i was a marketing director for a corporation that owned the wiz are you familiar with the wiz i don't know if they if they had that where you are but it was a appliance and superstore like where you buy electronics and stuff like this in the 90s and uh they we some idiot a vice president up, up above me decided we need to have comedians in the department in the department store 
uh, during the daytime to bring the crowd, bring in crowds. And I want you to go there and videotape, you know, do a show for one of our networks and record it. And so the same comedians three times a day, three shows a day in a department store with people shopping around them. It was like a nightmare. But I tried, and I'm there videotaping. And I, so I got to know their material like better than they did. And I would see like after lunch, the after lunch show, they would forget their material. And I would yell out like what you should do because they'd be sitting there not knowing what to do. <laughs> and I thought, as I look back on it now, it was pretty unprofessional for me and they probably hated me for doing that. Uh, but at sometimes I, I know I did bail a few guys out because they, they, they were forgetting their own act and I knew it. But from the, from the large part of you know, my perspective now, I look back and I say, man, well, that, what an asshole I was. <laughs> you know, that's the last thing you want is somebody yelling out your act to you to, to do your act, right? So when you talked about heckling, a cough could be a heckling. I, I saw myself behind the camera yelling out to the guy, do the red dot joke. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there, I was doing a headline show and, oh my God, it was like one of those second shows where, you know, as long as there wasn't 10 people, they would cancel the show and a group of people I knew came in. And so now there's 10 people. So I know six of the 10 people. And like, so I'm doing it basically for them which is not how you want people to see you. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't want your stranger friends, you know, the acquaintance type friends, you know, the ones that do come, to, you know, just, Oh, well, let's go see Jeff, you know? And, and they'd be like, I do a joke and they go, Oh, that was a good one. I'm like, Oh no, please don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. That's worse. I'd rather silence. I'd rather silence. But. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I know, I know it's difficult and I, I, you know, they should have classes for, for how to be a, how to be a good audience, <laughs> how to be, you know, teach that people. How to, sometimes people just are uncool and don't know how to be a good audience. The heckling stuff I will never get, but, uh, you know, just sometimes proper etiquette. Some people can just laugh like and throw you off. Like, I appreciate you're here to laugh, but you know, don't ruin all the timing of the jokes and ruin it for other people because you're right, laughing right, right. so hard that they can't hear. All that kind of stuff. Scott Scott Curtis was in the in the uh, chat room. He said, "Every time I turn on the internet, Jeff Bloskin is there." Uh, he was saying some really bad things about you. I got it on tape, Scott. I'm going to play it back for you later. Uh, um, I, I, honestly, he I couldn't bait him. Uh, but I do appreciate your time here tonight and, and your insights on this stuff. It's fun, fun, always fun talking to a guy who's uh, doing it. Uh, just briefly, do you? Uh, you know, what are you optimistic for getting back to working in clubs or it's a hard thing, right? It's a, a hard, right now I, I would prefer not to, I'm off, when I'm offered gigs, I would prefer not to, but being in a band, I feel like I have a responsibility to my bandmates so, and they want all, all four of them are saying yes. And I'm the only guy saying, no, I don't think so. And when people are not going to like us for even doing this, of course we'll keep social distancing and try to do every, take every precaution. Still, it doesn't feel right to me. And even when you go out, it does, the magic isn't there because people are afraid to come out. So you're seeing half the crowds anyway, and it's just weird. What's your take on the future? Of, you see it happening by the summertime for you or next fall? Or? Let me preface this by saying, well, I don't right now have a day job, but I used to. So, my, But I'm going to answer it as if I had my day job, which is, so I don't, I don't do the comedy. That isn't my primary income, okay? Right, right. So when I got the calls to do the clubs, I said, no, I said, no. I and mean, what about March? And I'm like, no, 
I said, I'm not breathing into a mic that someone just breathed into. I don't know where these hundred people are. And let's face it, if they're not trying to kill someone over toilet paper, they're likely not following the rules, right? Because here's the reality of people. People are like, oh, it's it's not going to happen to me. It's, it's like I'm exempt. You know, I you know, I went to the store and just ran in real quick without a mask. You know, I did the, you know what I mean? It's like, no. You know what I mean? I don't want, you can do that. Yeah, whatever. I don't, you know, but I don't want to be around you. I'm just not going to be around you. And so, you know, when I got a call, hey, features, but we, we can't pay you as much as we used to. You know, so like, oh, okay, but you know what? I don't need COVID for $200. It's just not something that I need. I don't need to lose my taste and smell for 200 bucks. I don't need the 200 bucks. I mean, I would like it, right. but you know I mean? The trade-off isn't worth it. So like once it's safer, safer, yes, I used to go on stage and suck in so much ridiculous amount of cigarette smoke. And then it got to the point where it didn't even bother me. That's how bad it was. So when that law changed, that was a joy to do comedy again. But you know, but like right, this, it's a little different. It's a little, I, I just, it's, I can't, you know, I'd rather make the same amount of money and you could probably make more money doing something else. And it's like, I, I would love it. And this is why I'm doing the podcast. You know, that's why I started the Jeff Dewaskin show and the live shows. But, you know, it's like, you got to weigh the risk with the reward. And it's like, for me, the, the, if the reward is just the club gets to stay in business because they, they can pay you to be there. And, you know, if someone, an employee has COVID or this person, you know what I mean? It's whatever. Cause they're not going to take care of you after. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. You know, so it's, and there's no knock on any of them. I know everyone's got to do their own thing. This is just my opinion. It's you know, my- you brought up a really good point though. And even when, even if no matter when it happens, when at some point we're going to be performing again, but I think the smart thing for all comedians, uh, you brought this up is the microphone. I would think every comedian, when I go to perform, I always bring my own microphone. I think at some point comedians are going to say, you know what? From now on, the future rule is get your own microphone, bring your own mic. At least then you're not, even without COVID, you're not, you, you have set, uh, some kind of sense of, I'm not. I, I always care. hated it. Even, you know, I was always not a germaphobe, but like, you know, yeah. it, it's, you know, like, you know, you, when you shake 500 people's hands after the thing and like, you know, that's, that's how you get sick. And they, the, the, the clubs are just going to have to have a setups where they have multiple mics for the number of people that they work there. Yeah, but I mean, then they would still have to sanitize them, sanitize them after every show anyway. Uh, I think it's yeah, just but that's fine. I mean, that's, it's not that big a deal. But I right. guess you could all plug in your bring in your own USB mic, and then what if it bring it, Yeah, bring your own mic in your pocket with you, and, and you know, bring your own mic case, whatever. I mean, that just seems like the smart move. I would do it if I if that was my only instrument, and I do it anyway. You know, all musicians generally bring their own mics, even though you know sometimes the outfits you're working with have their own. I always have brought my own for the last 41 years or 42 years that I've been doing it professionally. And it wasn't necessarily for that reason. I just figured, you know, I don't want beer all over it. And the other part of it, when the lead singer is putting out his microphone and people from the audience are singing in it and all that stuff, passing it around, uh, you know, that's, you're just asking for, for, to, and I'm not a germaphobe, but I just, I see it as that, like, man, how many people, you, strangers just, basically spit in your mouth. 
that's just something to consider for the future. Anyway, I, I know I've kept you way too long, and I appreciate now you. Now I've enjoyed every second. Thank uh, you. Well, great. And, you know, please come back sometime, because there's a thousand other things related to comedy. You know, I wanted to talk about, you know, the state of comedy and some comedy specials and, and some books uh, that have been out. And so we, we didn't really get a chance to do that. So, if you know, anytime, please come back and let, let's, let's do it again. I would love to come back. Thank you. Uh, have a great night and bye for now. This episode is brought to you by Put Me in the Story. Put Me in the Story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by VaporDNA. Founded in 2013, VaporDNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code ORIONQ. Uh, Jeff Dwoskin, folks, the Jeff Dwoskin Show, you can just go to Jeff Dwoskin Show dot com or the jeff show.com or you can just go to jeff is funny.com all get to the same place or you can just probably put in the jeff dwaskin show into google and find out almost every single place where it might be heard on podcasts uh and in your own particular app whatever you use i think he's right about that the we need to kind of unify how people listen to podcasts it might help help uh, simplify things for people but I'm sure if you're a podcast listener you probably have your own favorite method. Use that and just put in Jeff Dwoskin and I'm sure it'll come right up. Hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you come back. I hope you tell your friends about it and subscribe. Go to my YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Go to MindDogTV.com. Get on my mailing list so you know I'm going to have great guests on and questions and comments for me always. Info at MindDogTV.com Info at MindDogTV.com 
Com. Who do we have tomorrow? Tomorrow we have, oh, oh, I have some really cool shows for you tomorrow. Roger Lay, who is an author who's been with us uh, before. He's from Great Britain. He's uh, written a book about a real experience uh, about a guy named Martin Riley who uh, claimed to have a time machine. But we're not going to be talking about that. That's what we talked about last time we were on. We're going to be talking about his book about the Muslim prince and what if uh, Diana had survived. That's a big story right now. In the UK, uh, a lot of buzz around the Diana uh, death scene, and he's written a book uh, that has it's fiction based on truth, and so that will be an interesting uh, conversation at 1 p.m. tomorrow, and then 8 p.m. tomorrow we have Jimmy Roberts, the Mars Truth guy, the guy who uh, who is very attuned with the NASA footage from from Mars and is going to tell us the truth about uh, Mars that we don't know about. So tune in then to find out exactly what the truth about Mars is. Till then, I'm Matt Napo for the Mind Dog TV Podcast. Thanks for coming. Have a great rest of your night and bye for now. Well, I'm the kind of guy likes to sleep in late And I'm the kind of guy who doesn't like to wait you can I might just have a stroke.